Welcome, I'm Ashley Bullard and this is a podcast for UnitedPolitics.uk. So what is the future of the Liberal Democrats? I'm joined by five members of United Politics today. I'm joined by Sam Campling, who's a member of the Liberal Democrats. I'm joined by Daniel Clark, who is an independent commentator. I'm joined by Ellie Emberson, who's a member of the Labour Party. Andrew Baxter, member of the Conservatives. And finally, Last but certainly not least, Ollie Phillips, who's also a member of the Labour Party. So, Sam, it's been a bit of a rocky road in the last few uh, months and years for the Liberal Democrats. Uh, You're a Liberal Democrat yourself. The high days of uh, 40, 60 members of Parliament, something like that, that's uh, a sort of a, a bygone era, really, isn't it? I mean, since the general election of 2015... The Liberal Democrats were slaughtered to only eight members of Parliament, and in the last uh, general election, only 12. So what's gone wrong with the Liberal Democrats, and, and do you think they can be rebuilt? Um, Sam Campling, what do you think? Yeah, obviously things did go wrong. Um, we entered into a coalition government and brought through radical liberal policies that made the lives of many people a lot better. Um, it was a progressive and it was a good government um, overall. There were mistakes made and we were punished for those mistakes, um, most notably tuition fees. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think Nick Clegg was absolutely right to go into coalition. I think there was no choice. And we have been punished both in Parliament and in councils across the country. But I take uh, objection to the premise of the question in being that there isn't, you know, seats in Parliament in Westminster isn't all there is in politics. You know, there's council, running councils and being in the European Parliament also mean hell of a lot. Um, you can do hell of a lot if you're in power locally than if you are, if you just have lots of MPs that sit on the opposition benches. Um, so I live in North Devon where there's not a single Labour councillor. It's between uh, the Liberal Democrats, the Tories and a lot of independents. Um, and, you know, whilst in power down here we've we did great things you know i could take i could take any of you around and show you things that was that was done in north devon by lib dems in power so i think the lib dems are building back slowly um and you know there are good things to come but it it, it was tough the coalition was punished for it it was tough but we can get back to power locally. I mean, you say that uh, members of parliament isn't the be or end all uh, of it, but I mean, they haven't done particularly well in other areas either, have they? I mean, talking about councillors, I think there's only around about 1,800 councillors at the moment for the Liberal Democrats, roughly. Uh, only two directly elected mayors. Um, MEPs, not a particularly high number of those either. Um, House of Lords, you're doing very well in, but they're not elected. I mean, there's, I think, 98 uh, members of the House of Lords. So for a party that sort of prides themselves on democracy, uh, that's probably uh, where they're doing best, where it's not even democratic, or sorry, not elected. Um, how can you possibly say that you're doing really well locally? Because that's not really going particularly well for the Democrats either, is it, right now? Well, no, well, you know, we've seen lots of by-elections um, since the general election in 2017, um, where there's huge swings to the Lib Dems. In Sunderland, for example, um, the Lib Dems came from very low down to, to winning it with a big majority in places we you know, never thought we'd, the Lib Dems would ever stand a chance of winning. We're winning. And next year as well in North Devon, um, we're hoping to take the council, take the district council back. Look, the, there are great things on the horizon for the Liberal Democrats. And, you know, I'm very excited to play a part in that fight back. 
I saw um, Ollie Phillips, you're wanting to come in on this. I mean, Ollie Phillips, you're a member of the Labour Party. You have a possibly a different view. Um, Sam was talking there, and, and do you, you had a comment to make. What was that? Yeah, I think that the point Sam makes about, or even the point you try to make about national politics not being the be all and end all, is kind of a, a, a damning indictment of the, the state of the Liberal Democrats at the moment. If you look at the MPs that you currently have elected to um, House of Commons, most of them are on a very slim line majority. Uh, Tim Farron, an example there. Um, you have stalwarts of the party like Joe Swinson, who got a lot of respect for, he's a fantastic politician and has been a, a consummate MP since her arrival into the House. But um, the question was the future of the Liberal Democrats. And actually, if you look at the position which the Liberal Democrats are in, they have a very tenuous hold on those seats which they do have. They have a leader who is synonymous with the coalition um, and is, is a part of that, uh, and indeed who would perhaps be lacking the confidence of the general public. So I think the question which the Liberal Democrats need to ask themselves, and, and one which I think will be quite telling, is how do we re-engage with the electorate and how do we do that in a way which ultimately does win seats at national, in, in the national arena? Because actually, if you look at the stats, local governments, less than 10% of the seats, uh, Scottish Parliament, London Assembly, European Parliament, House of Lords, it, they are not performing very well across the board. And that's a, it's a shame because it, it does bring us back to that two-party system, which we're trying to move away from. Um, but that it is what it is, and you can't shy away from that. I think as a Liberal Democrat, you have to face up to the fact that things are bad and uh, pull together and turn it around rather than look at smaller wins. And Ollie, I mean, just uh, sticking with you for a second, I mean, you're saying that they need to turn things around and, and sort of find a, I don't know, a, a cause that would uh, that help triumph that. I mean, do you think that they're becoming a bit of a single issue party at the moment, a bit of a, a, a stopping Brexit party only? Is, is that something that you think is possibly a charge of the Liberal Democrats or, or not? Well, actually, I think that the point to be made is, as someone who's fairly engaged with politics, um, enjoys it and, and is active in the community, I don't have a blessed idea what the Liberal Democrats stand for. And that's the problem. OK. Um, I'm going to go to Andrew Baxter uh, next. Um, so Liberal Democrats stood on a, a mantra in the last general election of uh, being the Remain Party, pretty much. Uh, that and also legalising cannabis, which is slightly curious. But um, but those are the two things that stuck out for me, at least. Uh, do you think that, um, that Liberal Democrats have a clear message for government or, or certainly as being elected as parliamentarians? What do you think, Andrew? Um, well, they're certainly struggling to make a message that's beyond just stopping Brexit. And I struggle to see how they're going to uh, have wider policies beyond that at the minute when they're so focused on that. And Vince Cable, as far as I can tell, seems to be trying to widen their policy base just beyond Brexit. And he was not broadly very comfortable with the second referendum policy under Tim Farron, as far as I'm aware. So I'm intrigued to see where he goes with that. But on the whole, it doesn't look good for them, does it? I mean, they've lost a considerable amount of councillors and local council seats. And I'm intrigued to see, really, once we've actually left the EU and it becomes about rejoining rather than remaining, which is far harder because then we'd lose the rebate, we'd have to join the euro, all of these things come into play. I'm intrigued to see how successful their policy a European policy at least, is going to be once we've actually left, given how badly they did in the 2017 general election on that basis, what's going to happen once we've actually left in the future for them with their European policy. 
Yeah, and I'm going to come back to Sam Campling in a minute because I can see that he wants to come in. And being the only member of the Liberal Democrats on the panel tonight, I would definitely like to keep coming back to Sam because I want to give uh, the Liberal Democrats a fair voice on this. And I think that's the only fair thing to do. But just before I do, uh, a point that was raised by Ollie, um, I'm going to go to Ellie on this. Um, Ollie mentioned that uh, the Liberal Democrats didn't really have a, a, a clear policy uh, or he doesn't really understand what they they stand for and also the uh, Vince Cable was a, a key member of the coalition government now Ellie you're a member of the Labour Party like Ollie is um, and Jeremy Corbyn I mean he's not exactly a spring chicken either is he um, does uh, the uh, the addition of Vince Cable fill you with any hope for the Liberal De- Democrats I mean is he going to be able to be this charismatic leader that's going to that's going to help tide them over and make them into a big party. I mean, Andrew a minute ago said it doesn't look very good for the Liberal Democrats, but I mean, they have gained seats. I mean, there was eight seats at the 2015 general election. At the 2017 general election, they've they've gained another they've gained another four, um, which, OK, is low. Um, but they are going in the right direction, are they not? Um, Ellie, what do you think? Is the Liberal Democrats starting to, to turn the tide? No, um, <laughs> in short, no. Um, today, Vince was saying um, that the Lib Dems are the well-kept secret um, ahead of the local elections. And Sam was right that they have performed well in by-elections. I think they've gained 15, Labour have gained seven, and the Tories have lost, I think, um, nearly 20 councillors in by-elections. Um, but what, what does that actually mean? I mean, we have to go back to the point of the future. What are the Lib Dems standing for? Are they trying to stop Brexit? Are they the English SNP? Are they picking up people in the centre of politics? What what are you? What are you doing? Um, I mean, locally in Reading, the Lib Dem councillors are um, voting against cuts, pretty much all cuts that the council are making. So that's all good and well, but we have a budget. Um, and I don't understand local government policy with the Lib Dems, to be honest. Um, my Lib Dem opponent in the council is in an anti-Brexit pact. Um, which is great. But what does that actually mean? You know, being on Redinburgh Council, he's not going to stop Brexit, is he? So I'm really confused about the direction of the Lib Dems, um, to be honest. And quite frankly, Vince, you know, Corbyn isn't a spring chicken, but he is, I think, five years younger. And that does make a difference. I think you've had poor choice in leader uh, in the Lib Dems. Tim Farron was very um, socially conservative, which really damaged the party. Um, and now we pick Vince when you have so many more um, inspiring people in the Lib Dems. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit confused by the direction. Um, and I think they will perform well in the locals. But what, where is that going? Like what is actually going to happen with the Lib Dems? Because I don't I don't see a future. And uh, I see Daniel Clark is waiting very, very patiently. I will come to you, Daniel, in a moment. So thank you very much for um, for being so patient. But um, Sam Campling is desperate to come in. And, and Sam... Ellie asked the question, what are you doing? What do you stand for? Uh, Can you answer that? The Lib Dems are standing on a radical platform, um, a radical liberal platform, and there is a huge gap for a centre ground, a liberal party, um, opposing Brexit and offering radical and sensible policies, opposing both the uh, move to the right of the Conservatives and the move to the left of the Lib. Labour Party, for example, a penny on income tax to fund the the gaping hole in the National Health Service um, and social care. There's up in Scotland, um, my one of my best mates is Jess Insall going through the process of creating gender neutral school uniforms 
um, which got passed both at Scottish Conference and at uh, Federal Conference. That's getting huge um, huge support, which is fantastic. What the Lib Dems are actually doing, both you know nationally in Parliament, is yes, opposing Brexit, but also you know being the party that stands up for the radical, the liberal values of this country. And in local councils, they are standing up for people when they don't get their bins collected by Labour councils. They have high um, council tax by Labour councils and the Conservative councils are cutting uh, schools. They are cutting um, the health service. In North Devon, we've got in North Devon, we've got things like um, a the school so there was by-election recently in a ward called Newport um, where um, the one of the platforms that my uh, Liberal Democrat colleague fought on was um, the the school was being cut massively and the Conservatives were were doing that and they were you know relishing in that and now that we've got a Liberal Democrat councillor uh, that's being fought against and you know it's going very very well indeed the, the health service is um, the A&E there should be closing, was going to be closed soon. That's been fought against. The Lib Dems have done great work on that. There is an absolute point of the Lib Dems, and that is to be the radical alternative to the status quo of Labour and the Conservatives. I mean, Sam, you mentioned radical a few times on that, um, but you also said sort of sensible. I mean, how can you be radical and sensible and also centrist? I mean, how does that tally? I mean, how do you square that? Because to me, being radical doesn't necessarily mean being sensible i mean it can be um but also being centrist and radical it doesn't to me it just doesn't sit very comfortably how, how do you how do you mean by radical sensible and centrist well the health service the national health service was radical it was sensible um but being centrist is all about you know being pragmatic and taking the best of the left and the right uh and i think the health service is a you know a great uh sort of key of that it it was it's something that is you know very left-wing it was supported across the board by liberals, um, by not not necessarily by the Conservatives when it first came in, but you know you've got the Conservatives now obviously support the the NHS. You know, and that's a great example of, of something that is that's radical, that's sensible, that's pragmatic, um, and and that's and that's really what the Lib Dems are, are offering. Okay, I mean, uh, I saw Ellie wanted to come in, but before I go to Ellie, I'm going to go to Daniel. He's been waiting incredibly patiently there. And uh, Daniel, I mean, you're a guy that likes style. You uh, definitely are somebody who I would regard as fairly stylish. Um, The colour of the Liberal Democrats is amber. Now, is amber a strong colour and a colour that we can really say is going to be the cut-through colour? I mean, Labour, red is a really, really vibrant colour. It's a colour of power. It's a colour of strength. Blue is a colour of uh, a diplomacy, of, of conversation, uh, and that's the Conservative colour, of course. But amber? What does amber stand for? I mean, are they already losing with their colour to start with? Well, I think amber is actually a very good colour for the Liberal Democrats because with the colour amber comes an association with the word warning, and that's really how we should approach oh. the Liberal Democrats. I mean, Anne asked a very good question, what are they standing for? And... Sam tried to answer that question and he simply couldn't. He said that there's a huge gap for a Liberal Party in the British politics. Well, the Liberal Democrats haven't just appeared out of nowhere. They have failed to fill that gap and they're going to continue to fill that gap. They failed to fill that gap, rather. They, they're obsessing over gender-neutral gender uniforms and Brexit when there are much more 
serious issues that they should be focusing on rather than trying to overturn a democratic decision and worry about what children wear to school. And, and as you were talking, actually, very ironically, uh, Sam took a drink uh, and it was amber coloured. So amber is the colour of Liberal Democrats, definitely. So, Ellie, you wanted to come in when Sam was talking a few moments ago. Uh, what was that about? Something that you didn't agree with? Yeah, so it's just a very quick one. Um, I agree with Daniel there. I mean, you guys, uh, as in the Lib Dems, were tweeting Lib Dem comeback, which suggests you're coming back to power. But from what you were saying, I just want to ask, are you a pressure group or are you a political party? Sam, I think that's directed at you. Well, are the Labour Party a pressure group or a political party? Because they've not got any councillors in North Devon. Oh, wow. OK. So, OK, before we do a tit for tat on that one, um, Sam, just to ask a question. So Jo Swinson, she was a, a popular choice for leadership last time. Um Vince Cable, I think there's been a, I think it's fair to say there's been a bit of a mixed response to his leadership so far. Um, what about Norman Lamb, though? Is he is he the, the leader you never had but possibly should have had? Because he seems to be out in the political cold at the moment within the Liberal Democrats uh, because his uh, constituency in North Norfolk voted to leave. Uh, Norman Lamb tried to tread the line between the Liberal Democrats' policy of remaining in the European Union and also leave politics because he realises how many constituencies, constituents in his own constituency and also voters as a whole uh, had voted to leave. But he's gone quite quiet since. Um, could he have been a leader that would have been possibly a bit more charismatic than possibly the Vince Cable candidate? That's a really tough one to answer. I love Norman to bits. <clears throat> you know, he's been great on mental health, on social care. He is a real legend in the party and he's loved by hell of a lot of people. North Norfolk voted to leave, um, and but there is a real good Lib Dem base there. Uh, just like North Devon voted to leave, we've got a very good um, Lib Dem base here. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking at the moment with a councillor in North Norfolk um, and, you know, I really want to find out what it is they do in in North Norfolk to to get the voters out. And that is and it is focused on local issues. It's, you know, the Tories cutting the lollipop ladies. It's Tories cutting the schools. It's Tories cutting the health service. I think that Norman, look, Tim was a very, very good speaker. Um, and I think that did help a lot through his, um, especially around the referendum campaign. You know, it got a lot of the Lib Dem voters out to vote remain. Um, Norman is a little bit more Eurosceptic than Tim, uh, which, you know, I, it would have been interesting to see how the line that he would have taken and the line that he would have took since then. Um, but no, I mean, at the moment, Vince is, um, uh, Vince is a uh, very, you know, he's a lovely bloke. Um, and But there are there are issues around his leadership. But yeah, Norman, perhaps a, a good future contender. But you were talking about a few moments ago that some of the cuts that have happened is, uh, you know, around lollipop ladies or schools and things like that. Well, that's not just cuts going on in North Norfolk, is it? There's cuts across uh, other parts of the country as well. But, you know, Norman Lamb is, uh, Norman Lamb is you know, North Norfolk. So, you know, to think that it's just the cuts in lollipop ladies and stuff like that has meant that Norman Lamb has done well. It, it doesn't seem to ring true. Norman Lamb has got a, a personal following. I'm going to go to... Andrew Baxter, if I can. Um, Andrew, you were talking about um, Brexit a few moments ago when we were speaking. Do you think that uh, the Liberal Democrats has what it takes to 
stop the turn of uh, Brexit and actually can keep us to remain? Do they have any influence in British politics at the moment at all or, or not? No, I don't think they can stop Brexit happening. Not because I'm complacent at all as a, as a Brexiter. I'm appalled at how badly the negotiations have been handled. But just because at the point right now, uh, with most of the transitional details now dealt with, I'm extremely doubtful that they're really going to be able to stop Brexit at this point when most of the, uh, even the most hardcore Brexiters now have essentially rolled over and accepted the conditions attached to the transitional period. I don't see much leeway for uh, Remain groups now to really be able to stop Brexit happening. So that's the reason I'm doubtful that they're going to succeed with that. And as for the longer term, um, again, yeah, I don't, think they have a huge amount of influence in British politics at this point still for, for that reason in European policy and their lack of MPs, for instance, in, in other policy. OK. I mean, it does seem to, to suggest that a tide could be slowly turning for the Liberal Democrats. I mean, you know, I think the first time that they ever ran in parliamentary elections, they got something like 20 or 22 seats, something like that. They're quite a lot short of that at the moment by about 10. So they're definitely at one of the lowest points that the Liberal Democrats has ever been, I would suggest. Um, but one possible uh, alternative that they could pursue could be possibly the orange book i'm going to ask sam on this one because i'm guessing you probably have the most knowledge out of all of us on that one um but um before i do i see ollie and also daniel would like to make a point on this so um i'm gonna to go to ollie first um i see you raised your hand there that you had something you wanted to to say is it a point on the orange book or another point on the liberal democrats it's a, it's a separate point because i think that if we, if we bring this back to the original question it's it was what is the future of Liberal Democrats? And there's lots of tangents and lots of caveats we can take. But the the crux of the matter is, and what ultimately comes back to is, politics is about how many people hear your message, and, and political parties is about how many people hear your message and how many people agree with it. You can, I, I think, if we look at this in its purest form, there needs to be more noise from the Liberal Democrats. There needs to be more clarity and vision and ultimately there needs to be more support and there's increase in membership that's fantastic but if that doesn't translate into votes that's then, then that's a real issue and i think if we, we can go on caveats here caveats there and talk about various different things colors of the party etc blah 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 that doesn't matter at the end of the day the, the liberal democrats are fighting for their lives in 2018 and and as it currently stands they are in danger of falling off the wagon and falling off the map and that's the that's the that's the issue which talking to someone like Sam, I would hope that they had a much firmer and more uh, constructive and conducive response as to how they're going to turn that around and and give the image of a, a party unified rather than one which is almost resigned to the fact that they're going to be a party of local councils rather than one of government ever again. And that would that would be, I think, if we try and bring it back and try and summarize, I think that's the issue um, and, and one which they need to address. Because if you asked anyone on the street, I, I, I think you would struggle to find someone who, who knows who the current leader of the Liberal Democrats is. I think you would struggle to find someone who knows who the previous leader of the Liberal Democrats is. And that's that's saddening. And then sure, you can say something about Labour, Labour and Conservatives, uh, etc. That's fine. But actually, that's a really damning indictment of how bad things are. And uh, I, I, would, I would like to see a little bit more fight from you, Sam. 
I well, I, I don't want to make it personal against Sam because I think Sam's uh, doing a very good job as the one member of the Liberal Democrats on the panel of five. So it's a it's a bit of a difficult one. Um, don't want to gang up on one uh, panelist. Um, I think he's doing a very good job um, at holding up the Lib Dem flag, even if it might be Amber. Um, so I'm going to. I see, saw Ellie was nodding away to that, so she obviously agrees with uh, her fellow Labour uh, member of Ollie. Um, Daniel, you had your hand up a few moments ago. You wanted to make a point as well before we go to Sam to talk about the Orange Book. Um, what was your point? No, it was just a, a point about when you started talking about the Orange Book. I thought it raised a very um, interesting idea, is that if the Lib Dems did manage to finally associate themselves with some ideology other than other than stop Brexit, it's all nasty racists who voted for it, then perhaps the Lib Dems would actually be able to get somewhere because if we look at the Tories, then I don't think anybody will be able to identify what philosophy they're following at the minute. And then if we look at Labour, I mean, what exactly is their philosophy? It's Corbynism at the minute. And that's just gathering around a leader and getting all hysterical about the fact he knows how to speak well in public. I mean, there's UKIP who don't really know how to speak. And there's the Green Party who just care about saving the polar bears. If the Lib Dems actually managed to finally associate themselves with the Orange Book, which they probably should have done at the last election, then I think they would be able to make a comeback. And if they don't, then I think they're going to have a massive problem. OK, I mean, I think it's a little bit unfair to say we don't know what uh, the Conservative Party stands for, or the Labour Party stands for. I mean, uh, the Conservatives don't have a majority, so they're obviously very quiet in Parliament at the moment with bills. And uh, the Labour Party, well, kind of think we do know what they stand for. But Sam, we're talking about the Orange Book. Is the Orange Book the answer to all of the woes of the Liberal Democrats or not? What, what does it mean? What is it? And uh, do, is it something you subscribe to or not? Yeah, I think the Orange Book is a fantastic um, a fantastic um, vision of where the Lib Dems and the country should be. Uh, David Laws has a chapter in there. He's the editor, one of the editors of it, and you know he writes a chapter in there. And in it, he basically says that the Labour Party... They focus on social justice, but they sort of ignore any economic credibility. Whereas the Conservatives, they focus on economic credibility, but without the idea of social justice in that. What the Lib Dems should be doing, and what the Orange Book really um, really tackles, is that there can be a third way of it. There can be economic credibility, and there can be... A, an idea of social justice. And the 2010 election and the coalition government was uh, for and then undertaken on the premise of the Orange Book with, you know, um, Cleggie as the Deputy Prime Minister and Moores as a minister in the um, Department of Education. It was, it was an Orange Book government. And I think that to, to do anything big in the future for the Lib Dems, you know, to gain lots of seats, is there should be a renewal of this um, Orange Book. I mean, I mean, it's quite telling that, you know, the Orange Book, reclaiming liberalism. Well, we need to be reclaiming the Orange Book in the Lib Dems. Thanks, Sam, Daniel, Ellie, Andrew and Ollie. And if you've enjoyed today's cross-party political podcast from United Politics, don't forget you can subscribe to future podcasts from United Politics on both SoundCloud and iTunes. They're free and would love to have your company.